Welcome to episode 48 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, mm. what is going on? I feel like when we miss a week of recording, uh, I feel like it's been two weeks. I was setting up all the I, equipment today and I was like, is, it's been is this so where long. this goes? Like yes. I couldn't remember where everything goes because it just seems like it takes, it, 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 it's been a long time. It's only been one, one week, really. Yes. I'm feeling like that about returning to work. Mm. So I had my surgery. Yes. Can we, it's been dis- one, we're can we say, discuss your yes. health? Because you had a very good uh, uh, result from your doctor this week. Yes. like the best blessing of our I lives. Know, I so. cried my eyes out. Um, yeah. So I was diagnosed. I haven't talked about this, but I was <laughs> diagnosed earlier a few months ago with breast cancer. I had the double mastectomy, a reconstruction surgery. Mm. And it's been a month. It feels like it's been longer than a month. It's exactly a month. <laughs> I can't like, believe it's only been a month. Yeah, but it feels like it's been forever. Yeah. And um, I got good news that my, you know, I don't need chemotherapy. So that was like huge. I mean, I have other treatment that I have to do, but I'm thankful for that. But going back to work, I feel like I have not been at work for six months. Yeah. And so it's just going to be weird, like going back in and. And they wouldn't allow you to work from home. It was like you have to like it. W- well, it was break a, it was a yeah yes yeah yeah. So because it's weird because and yeah, I, yeah. So you got to jump back in now in the middle of all, which will be fine. Listen, you've been doing this job for a long time. Yes. You know what you're doing. You're yes. gonna get it. But uh, your strength. Oh please. No, I'm saying it. No and bravery no. and everything that you've no. done here is amazing. You should Thank be you. so proud of yourself. I mean. I have to tell you, the funniest thing that I'd heard in a long time is when <laughs> Tina called me and she was very upset about the news and everything. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm getting a little teary eyed. Oh, don't get teary eyed. And then uh, oh she said, it's okay. I'm going to be fine. She said, I'm going to beat this. Oh, <laughs> the very yeah. first thing that you had done was <laughs> go home and get a voter registration. Yeah, that was <laughs> to vote by mail. Yes. Because you said scarier than breast cancer is Trump being yes. reelected. Yes. And that to me was like. It, I, it, yeah. it was everything. I couldn't believe that even I wouldn't give a fuck about this election. Oh, no, I, I was like, shoes. I have to. I was like, I have to vote. Like, I, I definitely would have been like, <laughs> oh, well, oh like the world is ending. Fuck it. Like, that's how I would have been. But yeah. you have such a good <laughs> attitude on life. Oh, I just don't have I, I don't have that. Attitude. Yes, you do. I, I would have been like, <laughs> I would have come home and started digging a hole in the backyard. <laughs> like thrown myself into it. Be like, it's over. It's Next over. to the bird bath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just <laughs> just make that my gravestone. Oh my Everybody god. will will get it. But oh my god, you have been. Uh, oh. I think a big part of of why you've been able to recover so well is first of all you're healthy. You are always in really good shape and healthy, and you're young. But also the positive attitude oh. that you had throughout this whole thing is Thank why you have like really pulled through this. <laughs> and are, after a month, you're going back to work. Holy I shit! Know. It's I amazing. Know. It's crazy. I so I told Alfredo this story, but um. <laughs> I I went out on, this is the English nerd in me, like the literary nerd, um, but I went on my, in my front porch, we had this hibiscus, mm-hmm. and around end of summer, like the iguanas had like desecrated. Oh my God. They desecrated it. They they chewed up every leaf, like they had this beautiful bloom that would always come out, everything was gone. And um, then the other day when I went out, sort of after I got this news and I was feeling really good, there was this beautiful flower oh. on the hibiscus and it had like come back. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like this connection of like, I, I got beat up. I was sort of like, you know, not thriving. And then 
Wow. You know, like it came back and I was like, oh, this is such a beautiful symbol of like what I'm feeling right now. So yeah. it made me really happy. Well, you know, I, I'm just happy to like, you have a beautiful forward. family and like everyone oh. rallied around you. No, everyone like, was, it was just amazing. Everyone was incredible with the food. We yes. had so much food. My husband was like, I love all the food, but I miss cooking. <laughs> and I was like, listen, like you'll have plenty of time to cook. Like it's, it was really, really just really incredible. Yeah. I have to, I have like so many thank you. That's my thing coming up. I got to do a lot of thank yous and a lot of, um, I want to send cards. Yeah. Um, but I'm so happy because oh, uh, listen, me too. Thank you. This is, this is a highlight of my life doing the show with you. Oh my God. Me too. So I sexted you the other day. I'm like, this makes me so happy because yeah. I've fallen down a rabbit hole and I was like, this is so much fun. Yes, <laughs> it is. And I was doing that last night. I was reading stories and I was like, who's this guy when it like, yeah. it's like a branch off of it. You yes. Know? But, um, oh, wow. Tina. Yeah. So God bless, girl. I love you so much. I so love you. let us, I just want to mention a couple of things yes. before we start today. Yes. So we have to thank our Patreons. Now, if you don't know this, you can go to patreon.com. Yes. And it's basically a way to give a little financial support every month to the podcast. Yes. It helps us pay for equipment. It helps us pay for yes. Help, um, hosting our, our podcast on fireside.fm. Our, our, our website that's going to be coming up our, soon. Our website that'll be coming out. Mm-hmm. And so we're not, we personally don't financially have any gains from it. It's no. definitely all for the podcast. And if any oh, podcast yes. wants to pick us up and add us to their, <laughs> to their uh, lineup, oh, yes. we would love to be picked up by a uh a channel or something. My yes, God, could you sponsors. imagine? Let's do it. So we want to thank our wonderful Patreons who have given uh, monthly, have signed up. So Emma, of course, who has been a guest on Little Muck. Oh, Emma. Um, <laughs> thank you. And let me tell you yeah. about the, the, the Column Supper Club. My oh. God, they, they brought me food <gasps> oh and it gosh. was incredible. Wow. Incredible food, I have to say. Like we were, my husband was like, oh my God. What was it? What did they make? Uh, it was lasagna. Mm. But it was so like every bit of well, it. Cause for it, you and, to say it was good lasagna. And let me tell you, make my son, my youngest never eats anything. Yeah. And it had like mushrooms and it had, and he was sitting there eating it. And then it was like, wait a minute, there were mushrooms in this? You guys tricked me, but he loved it. He ate like the whole thing. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, sorry. That's okay. I had to do a side. <laughs> um, Alfredo, of course, our executive producer and yes. guest of Lil Muck. His, his, he's one of our patrons. Denise, who is oh, Denise. a wonderful lady here in, in Broward County. Amazing. Um, Barry, our friend Barry, who hosts uh, That Record Got Me High. Yes. Oh my God, P.S. They just um, put out an episode on Saturday, yesterday. And it, it, no, no, I'm sorry. It was two, yesterday was Jimi Hendrix. They did a Jimi yeah, Hendrix album. Yeah, they did album. the Jimi Hendrix. Two yeah. weeks ago was Divine. Yes. The performer Divine. Oh my gosh, it's such a good episode. I'm a huge fan of Divine. <gasps> Ever since Hairspray, the movie Hairspray. Yeah, Remember that movie? Oh my God, okay. So go listen to that. Um, Nathan, who I do not call Nathan. I call him Barefoot, Barefoot Lobo. Lobo. Barefoot Lobo, our good friend, and who I, apparently I've been totally dragging uh, all over oh, yeah. our stories, <laughs> un- unknowing. Unknowingly. And who is venturing into the podcast realm <gasps> so as excited. well. So that's very exciting. So excited for him. Yeah. Um, um, okay, Melanie, my cousin, my beautiful cousin, oh. who lives all the way in Nevada or Nevada, however people say.
say it. I don't know. Um, Medea, who's a friend of yours. Missy. <laughs> I love Medea so much. And so and much. A new so person, much. Catherine, who I I don't think either of us know, which is kind yes. of like really cool. It's like our very so first exciting. Yeah. So thank you all of you yes. so much. Um, also, so Tina's been like, we've been trying to like for a while now, months, I guess, trying to figure out how to move things up in the podcast. Like, how do we get this? So people search uh, a subject, like a person's name, like, are there any yes. podcasts about uh, Newt Gingrich yes. or whatever? And so Tina's been trying to figure that out. And, and she's been changing the title names, if you'll notice that on our podcast, um, to add the subjects. Yes. And all of a sudden, we had like three new countries with, with listeners, which was so bizarre. So on our fireside, we can look at metrics and yeah. we can look at different uh, places where people list, download and listen to the podcast. And I wanted to read all of the countries where people are listening. And now. it's a lot of countries. It's, it's crazy. Very exciting. It's very exciting. So we have Argentina. Yes. Austria. Australia. Bahrain. Barbados. Brazil. Canada. Chechnya. Denmark. France. Germany. Always with Germany is oh, a big one. With Germany. Yes. India. I in Germany. Don't Ireland. You? Israel. Lebanon. New Zealand. Philippines. Puerto Rico, Russia, Serbia, Sudan, Sweden, UK, and of course the United States. Ooh, Amazing! We're, and like so you said, we're like on almost every continent except, yeah, except Antarctica. Yeah, yeah. What's the fuck? Penguins can't download shit. I know. Like, let's come go. on. Or what about those scientists that are like holed up there for <laughs> yeah. for six months? They got something. That they need something yeah. to listen to. Hello. <laughs> Can someone make that happen, please? Yes. Um. So that's it. And I also wanted to. Um, remind everybody about Little Muck episodes. So Little Muck episodes come out every other Friday. Yes. And we talk to people we think are interesting or have something to say. And we just put one out last Friday and it was Jason Blank. Oh my uh, God. It did, was such a great conversation. Uh, he's, he's an election lawyer, election law lawyer. Yeah. And he um, talks about this 2020 election and what could go wrong? What didn't go wrong? What went right? Yes. And of course about Trump and how all of these lawsuits are shit. And, and look what's yes. tra- happening. Like just yesterday, Pennsylvania is like, nope. nope. You're yeah. Done. Everything he said, he was like, man, nothing's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. He's like, there's nothing to say because nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And it was like, well, he's right. It's, yes. Which is a relief. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Yes. So that's it. That's everything I wanted to say. Okay. So are you ready? I'm ready. Also, we're getting like incredibly close to the anniversary of how long we've been doing this and yes. i know that what's going to start happening on my facebook or whatever is going to be a year ago you recorded oh. the you know we started doing this recording you know what i mean it's coming it's up exciting it's it's um, i can't even believe we're almost at a year i know and i have you know the best part is um you know when i first started that people would say like oh, how, how are you gonna have so many things to say or yeah i still have like because i keep a list like you do <laughs> and i have a whole list yeah um and i, I counted them and i said oh my god i have almost like uh, probably more than a year's worth because i don't even go and use those because i end up i'll start there and then i'm like well let me look and i end up finding other stuff so i know it's just like a never-ending thing and hopefully um, when the Trumps get indicted, we can have a special, <laughs> oh, you know, honey. like four episode thing we're or something. It. We're, we're going to definitely do it, but we need to see where the, the, the cards fall. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Are you ready? Yes. All right. So today I'm going to tell you the story of former agriculture commissioner of South Carolina hmm. and former South Carolina House representative, Charles Sharp. Hmm. So Charles Sharp served in the South Carolina House of Representatives from 1985 to 2002 Mm. and served as the South Carolina Agriculture Commissioner from 2002 
to 2004. But when he's embroiled in a local cockfighting ring, <laughs> his Wait. career flew the coop, girl. <laughs> first of all, first of all, you are in office too long. 1985 to 2002, I was like, okay, he's done, right? No, yeah. he's going to stay on for two he, more yeah, years. Well, over. that's the thing. Holy and when I saw shit. that, I'm like, you can't go away. No, it's, it, and when you're in and office. And I think he long- was born in like, 1938 or something you they're, know what i mean they're looking for trouble when you're in office yes. for tw- oh, more than 20 years like there's something wrong just retire yeah because any moment shit's gonna hit the fan or the coop whatever yeah. something's happening Lou the coop girl fighting is cockfighting. a funny word that's, that's one really word bad. right Cockfighting. Yes. Uh, that is a funny word yes isn't it yes okay let's go come on okay so our story takes place in south carolina and I always, you know, sometimes I like to do, well, let me just do a little fun fact. So I said, let me see what's going on in South Carolina. I mean, we know, <laughs> you know, politically uh, where they, where they fall Speaking sometimes. Speaking of Lindsey yeah. Graham is there. Oh my God. <laughs> Who should Lindsey Graham PS with his little phone call to Georgia? Oh honey, I mean, please, but guy. nothing will happen. And, and I don't understand how, whatever. That's a whole Well, even after story. your story that we just did, you just did a story about the, about the inter- uh, internet, the phone, the phone jamming. Yes. And I was like, here is a single phone call. Yes. That is election fraud. Like yes. it's election tampering. Yes. Jesus. And he's not going to get in trouble for it. No, he won't. It's such garbage. But did, I, I, you, did you see he's starting to backpedal? Yes. And now he's trying to like win people's graces and saying, well, maybe he should step down because he knows that he stepped in a pile of shit. Well, it, it's, it is... It is not surprising. I'm not saying I'm surprised, but it is all, always and has been for the last four years incredibly weird to see resp- elected senators of the United yes. States not come to the defense of the American people it's, against the the president. And it's only because they're in the same party. They know he's right. a joke. Believe me, behind closed doors, they're like, what the fuck are we going to do oh, about yeah. this guy? Uh, absolutely. You know, but out in public... It's, they're holding it's, the line. It's, it's so and if they were, shameful. But if they were all to just come together as a group and say, no more. Yeah, and I feel he like... He would go I, away. He would, and I feel like Republicans would end up respecting him. Of course. Because there are, there's the base, and then there's Listen, everybody of, else. Of the 70 of the million rep- people that voted for Trump, I would say 99.9% of them think that he lost. Yes. There's a little tiny percent who I think are violent. And yes. scary. Yes. Who See, are going to believe this My bullshit. husband thinks it's more. He thinks about 30 million of those 70 million are, are the crazy base. And wow. I'm like, that's a lot. It is a lot. So. All right. Let's do it. So I said, well, let sorry, me just do I know. <laughs> well, I thought what was funny is I, I said, let me um, just look up a little fun fact. And the one thing that I found out is that they have their own sort of version of Bigfoot. But it's. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. I know this one. I know this. It's. um. It's, uh, I watched a whole show about this thing. Yes, tell me. I forgot what it's called, though. It's a lizard man. Oh, wait. I think I know this. this yes. Is, there's so, a documentary on mm, Amazon. Oh, about really? This. About yes. lizard man? Yes. How, so, it's in the woods somewhere in South Carolina, right? Yeah. So, like, basically what happened was um, this kid, it was, it was in the 80s, and he goes to change his tire and reportedly is approached by a lizard man with red eyes. <laughs> who scratches up his car. And I'm like, okay, basically this kid was either high yeah. <laughs> or he didn't want to get in trouble for yeah. like messing up the car parents, and he tells this crazy story. Yeah. Like maybe he watched too much. What was that show? <laughs> the Land of the Lost <laughs> or uh, my brother's favorite movie in the 80s. It's such a cheese movie. Uh, uh, Enemy Mine. 
Did oh, you ever I mean, see? Oh, no. oh my god, eighties people, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like this lizard. He ends up having a baby. It's like the craziest thing. <laughs> but that's all I thought of. But and I'm like, of course, like South Carolina has some ridiculous. Yeah. You know, lizard well, we have, and we have one in Florida, South Florida. It's swamp ape. Yeah, we have the swamp ape. <laughs> I feel like swamp ape makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. Know. <laughs> I mean, I don't believe any of that stuff, but I love it. All right, so. I wanted to check out a bit of this guy's career just to get a sense of who he was before I get into like the, 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 the thing that he got in trouble with, with the cockfighting. So basically he's elected to the house in South Carolina in 1985. And so I looked, I, I just found this part really interesting. I went back and I looked at bills that he sponsored and co-sponsored. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in like the eighties, the early eighties, um, a lot of it was, um, you know, commendations sort of. Um, you know, uh, proclamations, things like that. And then like your standard sort of, you know, um, bills on like taxes or, you know, um, that sort of thing, like structural kind of bills, right? housing, things like that. But then as I started moving forward mm. in time. Well, as the party starts moving yes, forward in time, right? Yes. So then around like 2000, like I said, let me look at the last year. So I looked mm. at his first year and then I looked at the last year. And in 2001, 2002, here we have bills uh, about redistricting. Yeah. We have bills about uh, concealed weapons uh, in private. We have the Right to Life Act, Oy. you know, along with the other commendations and, and recognitions that he did. But it was just really interesting to see this shift. Yes. And, and how like. But that's how the party's gone. Yeah. It's just. It's was, how do you pander? It's about pandering. Yeah. It used to be about the work. Yeah. And it's not about the work no. anymore. It's about how do I stay in office? I will be as, you know, make all these social issues yes. the number one issues when there's yes. people who actually still need to know about housing. Yeah. And there were still there were <laughs> still help. those those other bills mixed in there, but it uh-huh. just was interesting to see like, okay, like yeah, yeah. this is where he is at the end of his career. Mm. Um and again, those were bills that he um, you know, was co sponsor of and sometimes sponsoring, etc. So in two thousand two he earns the role of agriculture commissioner and just so people know, because I feel like people don't even know that there's that office. Like, I feel right. like if you don't even like follow politics, like you wouldn't realize like all these different offices and appointments that there are. So in South Carolina, it's an elected position. In some states, you can be appointed to the position, but it's basically about food safety, promoting agribusiness. You know, it's just all about the agriculture industry. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there are other things tacked on it. In South Carolina, it's primarily about you know, the food safety and, and promoting that business. So that's just what that job is. So what did he do? The spokesman reported that Sharp, 65 at the time, was arrested in July of 2004 for protecting a cockfighting ring and taking $20,000 to do so. Oh my gosh. 20 grand. So <laughs> I just want to talk about cockfighting too, <laughs> because it's, it's gross. it is a crazy yeah. sport. My first experience, like, even like being familiar with the sport was, and this is from God, probably like over 15 years ago, there's this really great essay from um, this writer, uh, Gertz, and it's called Notes on a Balinese Cockfight. Mm. And it talks about cockfighting, but it also talks about, it really becomes like a commentary on Balinese life. And it uses like the cockfighting sort of as the central thing, holding it together. Um, But cockfighting, and when I, think of cockfighting oftentimes I do think of like other countries Mm -hmm. that are doing it you know like the Philippines Mm -hmm. or Puerto Rico or you know wherever but it does happen in the U.S. and it happens in Miami Mm. um 
there was last year, there was a, a ring busted in Miami. Oh my gosh. Um, and what they do now, so originally it would just be putting these two birds in like this ring and they fight. Yes. Until like the death of Don't one Don't they put of razors on their and now, legs? Yeah, and now they put razors on their legs. And there was a guy in the Philippines, a cop who like tried to stop a ring and he ended up dying because one of the blades <gasps> sliced him. Oh. Yeah. So it's like a crazy crazy thing um so no and these birds get you know really hurt you know they like lose eyes they they have broken bones they get fatigued like they and it's just and i don't get like i don't get the pleasure of watching it's it's a gambling thing more yeah yeah no no it is gambling but it's like but still like you're still watching no an animal get killed i don't know i know it's It's cold-hearted man it's really bad so according to then president and CEO of the Humane Society, Wayne uh, Passell's article in Dispatch, in exchange for money, Sharp protected the group holding the cockfights from being prosecuted. And he also notes that in his role as agriculture commissioner, Sharp could stop bills that would call for more stringent punishments for the blood sport. So again, it's like this idea where we see the power of an elected official, right? They're voting, they're putting forth bills, mm. and then... I'll take this money and now that's going to sway the decisions I make in office. So if someone's putting up a bill, like we need to stop this. So I guess they have in South Carolina, now they've been putting forth, like you can't do the cockfighting, but there are these other things that you still can do. Like what? Um, it's, it's a, not to the extent of cockfighting, but you can see it's something about like, like seeing like the strength of a bird or something where you could do these things, but it's not the same as cockfighting. So they try to get around what the fuck? Why are it's people so very, involved it's, in this? It's fair. And yeah, like that, all these, like the fact that they, that this organization um, is going to an elected official, like there must be big money in it. Of course. Like it's crazy. I know. Well, they're giving him $20,000. Yes. What the hell is that? So um, how did they give him this bride? So Ron, uh, Ron Menchaca reports in the Post and Courier that the South Carolina Game Fowl Management Association. Uh, so this is what they're the, the the company, right? Yeah. The Game Fowl Management Association. They say that they gave Sharp ten thousand dollars as protection money. So it went from twenty and then other reports are saying it's ten thousand. And Jordan Jacob of the Times and Democrat noted that the association wanted Sharp to bring a cop to the facility to prove that it was just a testing facility. And it was on and up and up. So they had this facility. This is where like these cockfights are happening. So they give him the money to his campaign. Ah. Right. And then um, he was supposed to bring a cop and the cop would go, oh, yeah, this is just a testing facility. There's nothing bad going on here. And that kind of sign off that this organization, everything happening there is good. Meanwhile, they're like having these cockfights. Wow. Yeah, it's just crazy. So. Um, the charges, uh, this is according to the state, um, extortion and lying to federal officers. So he ends up pleading out and he uh, pleads to basically that he took money. But again, he says that it was all about like this testing facility and that he didn't know that it was about cockfighting. <laughs> like he thought I he mean, was just game helping foul them. association don't what, what else would he think that that is i don't know and then why would they if it was just a testing facility why are they giving him money to yeah ensure that it's a testing like i wonder it, if that was reported was it reported on his campaign donations as a line you know oh yeah. wow so people could see that he was getting the money yeah i think so wow yes and then that's when but it's a donation i mean campaign yes. contribution yes 
So he ends up pleading out and he's sentenced to two years in prison, three years supervised release, a uh, hundred hours of community service. I feel like that service should have been like, go take care of chickens on a farm or something. Yeah, fucking A. <laughs> um, he ends up resigning his position, but so he's suspended and he doesn't resign until like he gets sentenced. So oh. he kind of holds on till the end. Yes. And Jordan in the Times and Democrat wrote that Sharp's lawyers said afterwards that they thought it was a harsh sentence and that they presented all of his good deeds. So again, that same Jesus. idea of like, here's all the good things he did. And somehow that has to erase this bad thing that you do. But even if you're in office for 20 years yeah. and the two years he's the agricultural commissioner, yes. he's receiving this bribe. What did he receive oh, in 20 please, years? Please. So give me a break. You know you that there was something the, else. Yeah, this isn't the first time like, oops. I yes. would go back through all those campaign contributions, see what the, who was giving this guy money? Come oh, on. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Especially towards like the later years when all of, like you said, the social justice yes. issues and that kind of stuff coming up. I think so. So I just have a couple of points of interest. Uh, one of them is, according to an interview with the AP uh, posted on Go Upstate, after his release from pri prison, Sharp claimed to not know that this had anything to do with cockfighting, that he was not a cockfighter. Again, he explained that when... I guess like when officers were like showing him pictures of, of the sport and like, like look at what you, you know, this is what you're yeah. involved in. Yeah. And um, that it made him sick to his stomach <laughs> and he couldn't, you know, like, you know, but please, uh, he claimed that the group doing the cockfighting told him that they were running a testing facility, not a cockfighting ring. Like, so he's just falling back on that, which I feel like, you know, you did your time, but you can't now afterwards go, Oh, well I only did that. And he said, um, that his arrest and sentencing was due to a 2004 trip to Cuba. So he feels like it was a payback for a trip to Cuba where he and other state officials were, happened to dine with Fidel Castro. So he thought they were like getting back at him Nobody for that trip. shit. Give me a break. And he also noted in interviews that he um, took those bribes to protect his hundred acres of land. So he had all of this land and he didn't want any trouble with like losing his land. or lose. So he's like, I'm just going to plead out and I'm just going to. Oh, okay. You know. Mm. So, and then my favorite little bit of, um, a little fun fact is that the university of South Carolina's mascot is the fighting game cock. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's just yeah, meant to be we with got the a, state. We got a problem in yes, this state. Yes. going on. Oh my God. That, that, that's their mascot. Like, what do they do what, at a football what game? The, yeah. Are they like clucking? I don't know. <laughs> but that's the story of Charles Sharp. Oh my God. So good. Yeah, it's just, I thought it was a fun little story because I'm like, cockfighting, like what in the hell? What a nutcase, Why? Man. I don't know, but I can tell you this much. If you're running a campaign and someone gives you $10,000, you know that person. You know oh, what's going please. on there. I mean, this is, this is not. Especially if they're like, hey, I'm going to give you $10,000 so that you could just make sure my testing facility is a testing facility. That doesn't make any sense. No, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre. If, if you're a testing facility, then you're a testing facility. You don't need a... a, a this person to bring a cop by to, to check yeah. a box. It's so weird. What a yeah. weird. Ugh. All right, girl, you ready for this? Ooh, yes. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. All right. I am going to talk about the assassination <gasps> of California state Senator Leo Ryan. Oh, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about once we get into this. All right. Oh my so gosh, a little bit about Leo Ryan. He was born in Lincoln, Nebraska in 1925. During his early life, his family moved frequently through Illinois, Florida, New York, Wisconsin, and Massachusetts. He graduated from Campion Jesuit High School in Prairie Duchesne, Wisconsin in 1943. 
He then received his V uh, then received V twelve officer training at Bates College and served with the U.S. Navy from 1943 to 1946 as a submariner. Ooh, I love that. Uh, Ryan graduated from Nebraska's Creighton University or Creighton University with a BA in 1949 and a master's in 1951. He served as a teacher, school administrator, and South South San Francisco City Councilman from 1956 to 1962. He taught English at Cappuccino High School and chaperoned the marching band in 1961 to Washington, D.C. to participate in President John F. Kennedy's inaugural parade. Wow. Ryan was inspired by Kennedy's call to service in his inaugural address and decided to run for higher office. (gasps) Cool, right? Yes, I got me goosebumps. In 1962, Ryan was elected mayor of South San Francisco. I got to tell you, I wanted to look into like, why is there South San Francisco? Yeah. But I did not. I don't know at what point it became all San Francisco, but it must have been not long Mm. after this. Um, He served less than a year before being elected to the California State Assembly, winning the 27th district race by 20,000 votes. Ryan served as a delegate to the DNC in 1964 and 68 and held his assembly seat until 1972 when he was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives and he was elected three more times to that seat. Wow. After the Watts riots of 1965, Ryan went to the area and took a job as a substitute teacher to investigate and document conditions there. What? So this is the kind of congressman he was. He what? would put himself in situations, in, in areas. Can you to imagine see what the hell anyone going doing on. that today? No! This wow. guy, he was hands-on, I'll yes. tell you that. Um, and to his own detriment, eventually. But, you know, oh, okay. no. but in 1970, he used a pseudonym um, and had himself arrested, detained, and strip-searched to investigate, investigate conditions in California's prisons. No! He stayed for 10 days as an inmate at Folsom State Prison while presiding as chairman oh. of the assembly committee that oversaw prison reform. Wow. Yeah, take that, Lindsey Graham. Wow. Hello. This is what we're wow. talking about. Now, the only other person that I could think this would be hot is if it was Ted Deutsch, because he's so cute. Yeah. And if he was like, I'm going to go under, I'd be like, he is so brave. Yeah. <laughs> and cute. Oh, my God. I wonder if he was in Folsom when uh, I was, Johnny Cash yeah. was there. Come on. That's, all, that's what I thought. Wouldn't that be know. fun? <laughs> I actually had that album. I was looking at it yesterday. Oh, my son loves that album. He does? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, so as a California Assemblyman, Ryan also chaired legislative subcommittee hearings and presided over hearings involving his eventual successor as Congressman uh, Tom Lantos. Ryan pushed through significant educational policies and authored what came to be known as the Ryan Act, which established an independent regulatory commission to monitor educational credentialing in California. All right, so during his time in Congress, Ryan went to Newfoundland with James Jeffords to investigate the inhumane killing of seals and became famous for his vocal criticism of the lack of congressional oversight of the CIA, authoring the Hughes-Ryan Amendment, which would have which would have required extensive CIA notification of Congress about covert operations. Wow. Yeah. This guy is incredible, and I, I feel like why don't we know more about him? Because I'll tell you why. Here we go. Oh, no. Get ready. Oh, no. So... Let's take a little journey back to the 19... Uh, I've actually mentioned his name before on the podcast. I may, well, Have I? Maybe I haven't. I've talked about the next person. Okay. Uh, so San Francisco. Yes. Wild and crazy times. Yes. We're in the 60s. Yes. And what happens in the 60s in this country, right? People are, you know, uh, expanding their minds, yes. maybe with drugs, maybe without. Well, but they're also on. like finding voids in their life for the first time, right? Like women are starting Sexual to say. Sexual revolution. Yeah. And women are yeah. like, you know, I don't need to be in the kitchen anymore. What else could my life be? Yes. Or whatever. Not just women, but more, more. 
So, but these ten, there are certain people. I was talking to my husband about this last night. He's like, "Well, people they use drugs to to lure people in." I'm like, "No, no, no, cults." Yes, <laughs> actually, can people can be you you know swayed persuaded into something with their with words. Yes, so I mean, Jonestown, you, you get, you get, um, uh, Jim Jones. They, they weren't all. So let's talk about Jim Jones <gasps> because that's, what we're, that's oh. who we're talking about today, actually. That's so Does funny. he get lured in by Jim Jones? No. Oh, oh God. I was that's like, so wow. funny. I can't even believe you just brought that up. But well, yes. because I'm thinking with he's, cults, yes. he's, they weren't doing drugs. Like he, right. he, you know, it's that charisma. Like, yes. people, it's like the Manson. You get somebody like this in front of you and you are, you are in a moment in your life where this moment, you get somebody in that moment where yes. they're ready to they hear pray, you. They prey on yes. people who are vulnerable. Yes. Who, you know, and, and like I said, with the Manson effect, like, yes, they, a lot of them were doing drugs. But at the same time, like he they were all young. Yes. Runaway. Right. Troubled kids that that right. he provided a community. Right. And a place for. And, and like peace what, and love and we're safe. And what, then, yeah. Sarah mm. Silverman talked about this on her podcast, maybe the first or second episode. And there's a clip on her Instagram of it where she talks about a friend of hers who used to be a Nazi. He was in an alt-right group. And it wasn't, he, he got, he was smoking a cigarette at 15 years old. And this guy walked up to him and took the cigarette out of his mouth, threw it down. He's like, you don't need that man. Come on, come hang out with us. And it was a Nazi, right? Like this alt-right guy. And he, it wasn't anything but a community yes. and love is yes. what drew this kid in yes. and kept him there. And for 20 years, he's been trying to pull his job has been pulling kids out of these groups now. Oh my God. But it's that's like, good. now I have goosebumps again. That's what pulls them in is it's yes. a sense of belonging. Yes. And so this is what, this is what these guys are good at. Yeah, right? of this, course. This changing and they're, manipulating. And they're, yes. And, but they're power manipulators yeah. and they're so smart. Jim, so and Jim they, Jones was like this. It's fear, right? You yes. get, you bring them in, you get them to be a part of the community, and then when the walls start closing in, you immediately start talking about how everybody's coming to get you. You get people yes. paranoid. You put fear of everything this inside of them. This sounds so familiar. Yeah. Hello. Maga. Hello. Hmm. Yes. That's what I say to my husband. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so in 1978, this is we're going to start talking about the People's Temple. Okay, okay, here we go. So in 1978, reports of widespread abuse and human rights violations in Jonestown at the People's Temple led by cult leader Jim Jones began to filter out of Guyana. Uh, of Guyana. So right. we're going to get into that. But like before we do that, let's talk about People's Temple. So People's Temple was formed in Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana. Wait, I think uh, uh, this is now, you know, like now, saying? now, okay, now, now, getting it. Started, it's starting to come to me. I'm so excited right now. And it's so sad. Okay. It's so sad. Yes, yeah. So yes, the People's yes. Temple was formed in Indianapolis, Indianapolis in 1955, though its roots and teaching shared more with biblical church and Christian revival movements than with Marxism. It purported to practice what is called apostolic socialism. Okay. In doing so, the temple preached that, quote, those who remain drugged with the opiate of religion had to be brought to enlightenment, which is socialism, end quote. So after Jones received considerable criticism in Indiana for his integrationist views, like integrating, right, with black people, white people, everybody coming together, right? The temple moved to Redwood Valley, California in 1965. In the early 1970s, the temple opened other branches in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and would eventually move its headquarters to San Francisco. So this is the area where Leo Ryan is a a rep, okay? Yeah, what's so interesting is what's the the quote, uh, religion is the opiate of the masses, right? Mm. And so um, using this idea. Yes, becomes it's, like this drug to yes. them. Yes. 
So uh, with the move to San Francisco came increasing political involvement by the temple and the high levels of approval they received from the local government. Now, this is where I've talked about him before. Yes, yes, So yes. after the group's participation proved instrumental in the mayoral election victory of George Moscone in 1975, yes. Moscone appointed Jones as the chairman of the San Francisco Housing Authority Commission. Remember, they would go out in like buses and they, yes. they brought busloads of people in to vote and also to intimidate oh other people God. at the at the polls. And George Moscone was also the politician who was murdered yes. with Harvey Milk. Yes, yes, but, yes, okay, yes. So this, so this is, I've talked about Yeah, in episode, um, oh goodness. I forgot what it's called. I wish I knew the episode. Yeah. But go back, go it's back. So and It's, it's such one. a good episode. Yeah. They're all so good, Tina. They They're are. <laughs> um, unlike many other figures who are considered cult leaders, Jones enjoyed public support and contract with some of the high, highest level politicians in the United States. Jones met with vice presidential, vice presidential candidate Walter Mondale and first lady Rosalind Carter. Oh, my God. Guests at a, at a large 1976 testimonial dinner for Jones included California Governor Jerry Brown, Lieutenant Governor Mervyn DeMolly, and California Assemblyman Willie Brown, among others. My God. So, like, even because, but because of who he could bring to the table. Yeah. Ugh. It's what it's the votes they can guarantee. It's the votes yeah. they can secure. And even though this guy's walking around saying he is Jesus Christ, which is what he was telling people, they're sitting at a table with him because they want votes. Yeah. I mean, this is a problem. Yeah. Because I feel like once you start saying no or not giving these people attention, yes, then you can start diffusing. Right. Instead, you're like igniting. Yes. Like, or giving them legitimacy, yeah. you know? Ugh. So some of the criticisms started happening, like Indiana, you know, when you're running a show like this, shit's going to start to follow you. And uh, things started coming out about the People's Temple in San Francisco. So in September 1972, Lester Kinsolving, an ordained Episcopal priest and religion editor for the San Francisco Examiner, wrote an eight-part series of articles that documented allegations of physical abuse, financial misdeeds, and suspect theology within People's Temple. Ooh. Now, I have talked about here's Lester our great, Kinsolving before. Yes, but here's our great journalist. Do you remember him? Out there again. Do you, So, yeah, but this guy was like, I, when I saw his name, I go, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. He was the very first reporter or journalist to ask the Reagan administration about oh, AIDS. Remember that? Look at this Remember guy. Remember I said yes. he, he was in, and I, you can go listen to clips of him, and he's being mocked by the, by the press yes, secretary. Yes, and yes, Because it was a gay thing. We're going to joke about it. And he was the very, and he was like, this is very serious. This is, a, there's a, because he's in San Francisco, wow. where it was like the, the ground zero. Mm, of all with, of this. Of all of it, of the AIDS epidemic. And so like he was the part like he's an he's a religion remember i remember yes. even talking about how like how this religious man is like asking about yeah. caring for people like what the fuck are you gonna do anyway oh my God. so he starts writing articles and it was the most extensive and most critical coverage of the temple to, to date raising issues that would be explored again five years later but the first four articles ridiculed jim jones claims of divinity and his ability to raise the dead oh come on criticized questionable financial dealings and exposed environment involvement of meadow chino county employees and public officials in the temple so there's people who oh, he's belong to the yes. temple. so he's infiltrating like government offices yeah. with his people yeah temple members mobilized to write letters to the editor of the examiner and picketed the newspaper's offices in oh, protest God. the examiner dropped the final four articles slated for the series but whether <gasps> the editors had succumbed to the temple's pressure nobody really knew why they dropped them it could have been from one of these 
you know, yeah. maybe Moscone, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Like, who could have been who, like, who, yeah, pressured, who pressured yeah. them. The four unpublished articles in the series charged that the temple was responsible for the death of a temple <gasps> member, Maxine Harp, that Jones had defamed, uh, that Jones had defamed an African American pastor by alleging he had propositioned two young girls and the, <gasps> and that the temple had armed guards in Redwood Valley. The, wow. where the one of their, um, like their compounds yeah. or something. Ken Solving also reported that members were punished in group meetings for crimes against the church, noting the example of a young boy being forced to eat his own vomit. Oh, no. What the fuck? Oh, my God. So all of these things are coming out. Right. And in the meantime, they're always, this guy's always looking for another place to go. Yeah. Right? Oh, Indiana's fucking, the heat's coming on. Where, where, where can we go? We're going to California. Francisco. Yeah. Now the heat's coming down, where, where can we go? They decide, he had gone to all of these different missions. He would, had been flying all over the place. And he found Guyana, which was a, a, a place to be where no one could really bo- would bother right, him, basically. Right. And so that's where he's decided. So now all this stuff is happening. There's like this mass migration of all yes. of these folks going. And it was, um, it was uh, unusual because a lot of these family members of folks who were in this were like, they, these people were selling their homes. Yeah, and they're writing, just gonna... writing their paychecks over to the temple, like sold their home, yeah. saved all that money to the temple, and picked up with their kids and just left they to just go to Guyana. Left. And so, like, if this is your daughter or your son, you'd be like, "Where the fuck are you going?" Yeah. Like, they're gone. So people started like, what, "And you can't re- they, I don't think you could have reached them there. No, 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 no. no, no. So in the summer of 1977, Jones and several hundred temple members moved to what they called Jonestown in Guyana to escape building pressure from San Francisco media and investigations. Jones left the same night that an editor at New West Magazine read him an article to be published by Marshall Kilduff detailing allegations of abuse by former temple members. After the mass migration, Jonestown became overcrowded. Jonestown population was slightly under 200 people at its peak in 1978. That's a lot of 900 people. people. Ryan, Ryan, so Leo Ryan, the representative, was friends with the father of a former temple member, Bob Houston, whose mutilated body (gasps) was found near train tracks on October 5th, 1976, three days after a taped telephone conversation with Houston's ex-wife in which they discussed his leaving the temple. Oh, my God. So he's starting to, Ryan's starting to get, you know, people are coming to him being like, I need your help. Right? Like my there's family members. Yes, there's in. something going yeah. on. That's so, a lot of people. Yeah. Ryan's interest was further aroused by the custody battle between the leader of a what they called the concerned relatives group, right? These people who are like we, yeah. all getting together saying yes. what's going on. Timothy Stowen and Jones uh and Jones following a congressional what they called a white paper by Stowen detailing the events. So he basically is writing all the stuff out about like what's happening. I think what was going on with Stowen is that his wife took the kid. Yeah. And went to Guyana. Oh, my God. And he's like, we're not going to Guyana. And she's like, I'm going and I'm taking the kid. And so now he's like, my fucking kid is there. Yes. So uh, Ryan was one of 91 congressmen to write Guyanese Prime Minister Forbes Burnham on Stone's behalf, saying, like, can you get this kid out of there? So after reading an article in the San Francisco Examiner, Ryan declared his intention to go to Jonestown, which which is what they were calling an agricultural commune. That's what the Jones pe- Jonestown people were calling it in Guyana, where Jones and roughly now 1,000 temple members wow. resided. And they were putting out propaganda too. Like they were putting out video of like, oh, we're, everything's well, great. Yeah, everything's What's great. Wrong? Like, look at how we live in this we're, communal yeah. sort of life. And, we're so happy. Yeah. And like showing, like, oh, you know, my job is to, you know, gather the whatever the hell plants that they're growing. And my job, you know. Yes. 
So after, a, so his decision was also influenced both, both by the concerned relatives group, which consisted, consisted primarily of Californians, as did the temple, and by his own distaste for social injustice. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, while he investigated the United States Department of State, quote, reportedly, repeatedly stonewalled Ryan's attempts to find out what was going on in Jonestown and told him that, quote, everything was fine. The State Department characterized possible United States government action in Guyana against Jonestown as a potential, quote, legal controversy. Mm. But Ryan at least primarily rejected this, partially rejected this viewpoint. Like, yeah, maybe it is to go in there and say yeah. that they're U.S. citizens and something's yeah. not right. In a later article in the Chronicle, Ryan was described as having, quote, bucked the local Democratic establishment and the Jimmy Carter administration State Department in order to prepare his own investigation. Which is what this guy did. He would go everywhere and be like, I'm going to get arrested and find out what the prison system is like. Yeah. Mm. Oh, my God. So he decides on November 1st, 1978, he announced that he's going to to Jonestown. He did so as part of a government investigation with governmental permission and funding. He made the journey in his role as chairman of a congressional subcommittee with jurisdiction over U.S. citizens living in foreign countries. He asked the other members of the Bay Area congressional delegation to join him on the trip to Jonestown, but they all declined. Ryan also invited his friend, Indiana Congressman and future Vice President Dan Quayle, who had served with Ryan on the Government Operations Committee, but Quayle was unable to go. But he brought, there was a woman he brought with him, didn't he? Yes, yes. We're going to talk about her yeah. too. She's pretty amazing. So, okay. So the investigation was initially to consist of only press and a few members of Ryan's staff. But once the media learned of the trip, uh, the entourage ballooned to include among, among others, concerned relatives of temple members. So they all wanted to yes. go to talk to the relatives yes. and, and plead for them to come Yeah, Because they probably said, no, no, if I talk to them, yes. they'll come. Yes. So Ryan traveled to Jonestown with 17 Bay Area relatives of People's Temple members, several newspapers and reporters, and an NBC TV TV team. So let me... Oh, yes. Let me give you the names of the people who were there from from NBC and everybody else. So the group included Jackie Spire, who was Ryan's then legal advisor, uh, an aide, right, his congressional aide, Neville Annaborn, representing Guyana's Ministry of Information, Richard Dwyer, Deputy Chief of Mission of the U.S. Embassy to Guyana, San Francisco Examiner reporter Tim Reiterman, Examiner photographer Greg Robinson, who I think was like 28 at the time, NBC reporter Don Harris, NBC camera operator Bob Brown, NBC audio technician Steve Sung, NBC producer Bob Flick, Washington Post reporter Charles Krauss, San Francisco Chronicle reporter Ron Javers, and concerned relatives representatives including tim and grace stowen uh steve and anthony katsaris beverly oliver jim cobb sherwin harris and carolyn houston boyd those were all family members that were going so when jones's legal counsel attempted to impose restrictive conditions on the visit ryan responded that he would go to jonestown whether jones permitted it or not ryan's stated position was that quote a settlement deep in the bush might be reasonable reasonably run on authoritarian lines but that its residents must be allowed to come and go as they pleased that was what they were thinking. Right. They were thinking people wanted to leave and they weren't allowed. Right. right. He further ins- asserted that if the place had become a gulag, he would do everything he could to, quote, free the captives. Right. Okay. So so on November 14th, 1978, according to the Foreign Affairs, Affairs Committee report, Ryan left Washington and arrived in, jo- in Georgetown, which is the capital of Guyana, 150 miles from Georgetown. Or Jonestown, sorry. Yeah. And what, what, what about the Guyanese government? I mean, they knew that he was there. Yes. Um, and they just gave him permission to, yeah, you know, yes. have like a, a, 
a compound that they is were like, looking for a place that would allow them to, first of all, probably not be extradited. That's right. probably number one. Number two, they could practice their religion freely. Even when but they you were can't here, just go into any go, like I know country and just set up a compound that, with arms but with weapons. Certain, and I the, think there's certain countries you can go to that if you do give a c- couple bucks, they'll let you stay oh, right, there. So, and they were also even when they were in Guyana, they were looking for other places to go after that. And they talk about going to Russia. They talk about going oh, to uh, okay. Af- some places in Africa. Like they were looking for other. Pla- they were always looking for what's the next place because that they, can they go know because the heat's coming down. Yeah. Okay. So um, when the Ryan delegation arrived in Guyana, lawyers from the temple initially refused access to Jonestown. However, by the morning of November 17th, they informed Jones that Ryan would likely leave for Jonestown that afternoon regardless of his willingness. Ryan's party, accompanied by the temple's lawyers, came to an airstrip at Port Kaituma, six miles from Jonestown, some hours later. Because of aircraft seating limitations, only four of the concerned relatives were allowed to accompany the delegation on its flight to Jonestown. Only Ryan and three others were initially accepted into Jonestown while the rest of the group was allowed to in after sunset. That night, they attended a musical reception in the settlement's main pavilion. A fucking, it's a show, basically. It's like the Kumbaya with our little tambourines. That's the video you probably know. that's the one, yeah. Yeah. While the party, because NBC's filming all of this, right? This is wild. and And they say it's like, when you watch it, the people, like some of, it it wasn't happy, is what they, how they described it. It was like, almost bizarre and they're all sitting around and like, people yay, are like almost too into a it great time yes yeah. yes and, and then others are just like so into it but but some of them were, were not did right. not want to be there anymore of this fucking wackadoo oh my gosh so while the party was received warmly jones said he felt like a dying man and ranted about government conspiracies and martyrdom as he decide as he decried attacks by the press and his enemies oh right my so God. and salt, wasn't he like doped up Yes. Like he was like, I forget what he was taking. Pills all kinds of or shit. Something. Oh, all kinds of shit. So it was report, later reported and verified by, by audio tapes recovered by investigators that Jones had run rehearsals on how to convince Ryan's delegation, delegation that everyone is happy and good oh spirits. Oh, my God. Can but you also, imagine this? Yes, but also what's happening there. You're not smiling enough, Jeannie. Yes. In the time that's running, like before even Ryan said he's coming or whatever, what's been going on is like every night when they get into this pavilion, he's talking about mass suicide he's talking about they're coming to get us he's already been instilling fear that's why they're in guyana it's like he has convinced all these people that they're coming to get us and our happiness is going to end like it's fear 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 one of this there was a girl here who escaped right and she gets to san francisco back to san francisco she goes right to the police and they have a whole recorded conversation with her and she's telling them like writing everything down and saying like these are things that are happening she goes one night they did a dry run where they brought out buckets of juice <gasps> and he said that when we have to have this suicide revolution is what he kept calling wow. it, a revolutionary suicide like you're all gonna have to drink this juice and they had to one by one go up and drink she goes and she in the description she's like it's what that kid the kids drink the kids drink you know it's it's you gotta put a lot of sugar in it and he said kool-aid he's like, yeah kool-aid yeah now now we have who's drinking the kool-aid yes that, yes that's where it's say, from yeah and so uh this was uh, these were all warnings of things that were happening or God. going to happen and things like, i know so two temple members, Vernon Gosney and Monica Bagby, made the first move for defection that night. In the pavilion, Gosney mistook NBC reporter Don Harris for, for Leo, the Congressman Ryan, and oh. passed him a note reading, quote, Dear Congressman, Vernon Gosney and Monica Bagby, please help us get out of Jonestown. Oh, my God. Quote. Yeah. 
A child nearby wit- witnessed Gosney's act and verbally <gasps> alerted other temple members. Oh my God! These it's like a kids. yeah. It's it's like a oh God. Uh, in 1984, and they have what is it? The Junior League, and you know, it's all about the indoctrination of the kids. Oh, and like, oh my, my God. dude, fuck this! I'd be oh. like, kill that kid, yes. get that fucking kid out of here. Oh. Um, Harris brought two notes. One of them, Gosney's, to Ryan and Spire. His aide, you know, according to Jackie Spire in 2006, reading the notes caused her and the congressman to realize that, quote, something was very, very wrong because everything looked fine. They're like, yeah. they really did not know what was going on here. Yeah, they didn't they're know. like a, they a thought, bunch of hippies. Yeah, you they know. really didn't think that this was going to be what it was. So Ryan Spire and Dwyer and Anna Bourne stayed the night in Jonestown <gasps> while other members of the delegation, including the press corps and members of concerned relatives, were told that they had they had to find other accommodations. The, they went to Port Kaituma and stayed at a small cafe. In the early morning, oh, by the way, at this cafe, uh, they were all talking about what they had seen there, like the press people, the right. MC people. And this guy, you know, Bob Harris, brings out this note, or Don Harris, excuse me, brings out this note. He's like, I was past this note. And another guy, another reporter from, I think, the Washington paper, he brought out a note. He was like, <gasps> I was past this note. And it was like people going, please help me out. And so they decided that they were going to share everything they got, like any information they would share, notes they would share, anything they got out of there. They knew that this was a really important story, but they knew that they had to help people and just be open to like try to talk to people while you're there. Because they wouldn't let them interview anybody without a a temple member standing beside them or behind them or whatever. Oh, my God. Yeah. In the early morning of November 18th, 11 temple members sensed danger enough to walk out of Jonestown and all the way to the town of Matthews Ridge in the opposite direction from the Port Katumas airstrip. Like, they just fucking dipped. Thank God. Smart. Could you imagine? You can't get out any other way. No. How else are you going to get the fuck out of there? And they're probably so focused on, like, the visitors. Yes. That it was That's what I was thinking. It was a distraction. Yeah. So those defectors included members of the family of Jonestown head of security, Joe Wilson. When journalists and members of the Concerned Relatives arrived in Jonestown later the de- that day, Marceline Jones gave them a tour of the settlement. So these are the other people who yeah. hadn't, weren't there the day before. That afternoon, the Parks and the Bogue families, along with in-laws Christopher O'Neill and Harold Cordell, stepped forward and asked to be escorted out of Jonestown by the Ryan delegation. So now <clears throat> more people are defecting, right? Oh, my God. When Jones's adopted son, Johnny, attempted to talk Jerry Parks out of leaving, Parks told him, quote, no way, it's nothing but a communist prison camp, end quote. Wow. Jones gave the two families, along with Gosney and Bagby, the ones who gave the note, a permission to leave. When Harris handed Gosney's note to Jones during an interview in the pavilion, Jones stated that the defectors were lying and wanted to destroy Jonestown. Oh, okay. After a sudden violent rainstorm started, emotional scenes developed between family members. Al Simon, a Native American temple member, attempted to take two of his children to Ryan to process the requisite paperwork to transfer back to the United States. Al's wife, Bonnie, summoned on the loudspeakers by temple staff, loudly denounced her husband. This is another fucking creepy thing. On the NBC video, you can hear her. Like It's all being videotaped, right? Yeah. And the guy who was video, Bob Brown, who was videotaping the whole thing was like, I'm not turning this fucking camera off. Yeah. Like, and there's somebody attached to him, like this old, it's old equipment. Yeah. And so the sound guys attached to him by a cord, but he was like, I'm not turning my camera off. And, um, 
she's screaming, don't take my children, <gasps> don't take my children, oh my right? God. And the husband's like, I got to get the fuck out. It's like, she's fucked. Like, we're fucked. We yeah. have to get the kids out up here, which oh was like God. insane. It's insane. So he pleaded with his wife to return to the United States, but Bonnie rejected his decision. Oh, so he took on, the kids Bonnie. and like dipped, right? Good. Thank God. While most of the Ryan delegation began to depart on a large dump truck to Port Kaituma airstrip, Ryan and Dwyer stayed behind in Jonestown to process any additional defectors. They had to fill out paperwork yeah. to get out. Oh my God. Shortly before the dump truck left, Temple loyalist Larry Layton demanded to join the group. Like this guy, and some defectors voiced their suspicions about Larry's motives. They're like, no. This guy's very loyal. Why would he want to leave? Why does he want to come with us? Like, no, 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 no. Shortly after the dump truck initially departed, Temple member Don Sly grabbed Ryan, the congressman, while wielding a knife. Oh, my God. While Ryan was unhurt after others uh, wrestled Sly to the ground, Dwyer strongly suggested that the congressman leave Jonestown while he filed a criminal complaint against Sly. But he did cut him in some way. He put it up to his, his yeah. throat. To his, and he cut him and he was oh bleeding. Oh, my God. So Ryan did so, promising to return later to address the dispute. The truck departing to the airstrip had stopped after passengers heard of the attack on Ryan and took him on as a passenger before continuing its journey to the airstrip. So now this truck is heading the fuck out of the jungle, right? Because you got to go like yeah, a mile yeah, into yeah, the jungle. Yeah, 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 So it's heading out of the jungle. The entourage, ha- entourage had originally scheduled a 19-passenger twin otter uh, plane from Guyana Airways to fly them back to Georgetown. Because of the defectors departing Jonestown, the group grew in number numbers, and now an additional aircraft was required. Oh gosh! According to the U.S. Embassy, arranged the accordingly, the U.S. Embassy arranged for a second plane, a six-passenger Cessna, right? So a smaller plane, yeah. to get more people to get out. The, 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 yeah. So when the entourage reached the airstrip between 4:30 p.m. and 4:45 uh, p.m., the planes had not approached as scheduled. So they're late. <sighs> the group had waited until the aircraft landed at approximately 5, 10 p.m. So they're sitting on this fucking airstrip Just for 20, waiting. 30 minutes. The, the anxiety. In open. Yeah. In open, yeah. you know, nothing. Oh, my God. Except jungle surrounding them, right? Oh, my God. Um, then the boarding process began. So people started getting on planes. So Layton was a passenger, this guy Larry Layton, who was a loyalist. Yeah. Who they're saying, don't let this guy fucking come on. He was a passenger on the, Cef- on the Cessna, the first aircraft to set up for takeoff, right? The little plane. After the Cessna had taxied to the far end of the airstrip, he produced a handgun uh, and started shooting the passengers. I he mean, wounded, what? yeah, so it's starting, right? Yeah. He wounded Bagby and Gosney, the people who passed the note, and tried to kill Dale Parks, who disarmed him. Meanwhile, some passengers had boarded the larger Twin Otter. So this, the small plane, the Cessna, is further down is, the airship. So they don't really know what's going on. I think they on. know something's happening, right. but they don't know what's really going on. So right. they're further away, getting on the bigger plane. A tractor with a trailer attached driven by members of the temple's Red Brigade security squad arrived at the airstrip and approached the other plane, the larger plane. When the tractor neared within approximately 30 feet of the aircraft at a a time roughly concurrent with the shootings on the Cessna, the uh, Red Brigade opened fire with shotguns, handguns, and rifles while at least two shooters circled the plane on foot. Oh, my God. So these people it's are so trying scary. to get in the plane. There's people going yeah. around the plane. And there's like gunshots. They're standing around, and they're in the middle of open, the middle oh of nowhere, God. right? Uh, there were perhaps nine shooters identi- whose identities are not all, all certainly known, but most sources agree that Joe Wilson, Thomas Kice Sr., and Ronnie Dennis were among them. So part of this... This Joe Wilson, his family had walked out and he stayed there and then did this. Like, this is incredible to me. The first few seconds of the shooting were captured um, 
on video recording by NBC Bob, <gasps> NBC cameraman Bob Brown, who I saw an interview with his wife. He had been um, a cameraman in Vietnam, oh. and she was always so worried about oh him going and coming back. And he always said, like, listen, if anything happens to me, I'm at least going to get a picture of the person who fucking kills yeah. me. Like, and that's what happened. So oh. Brown was killed along with photographer Greg Robinson, NBC reporter Don Harris, oh and God. Temple defector Patricia Parks in the few minutes of the shooting. It's awful. Congressman Leo, Leo Ryan was killed after being shot more than 20 oh times. Oh, my God. So they shoot him. And, and as they're shooting them, and they're, they, they're all, all the people near the plane were like, get down. Everybody get yeah. down and act dead. Just play dead. And so that's what they did. They laid there after being shot. But they walked up to the congressman. And, and shot him 20 shot. times in like, the chest disgusting. and then shot him in the head <gasps> just, just to make sure he's dead. He's dead. Oh, um, that poor man. Oh my God. Could you imagine? Oh my God. Congressman aide, congressman's, the congressman's aide, Jackie, Jackie Spire, audio tech technician, Steve Sung, deputy chief from the U.S. Embassy, Richard Dwyer, um, and Reiterman, uh, and concerned relative Anthony Katsaris were among the nine injured and in and around the twin otter. So they went into the plane, they shot him in the plane, Yeah, you know, after the shootings, this, oh, and, and other, everyone else ran to the jungle. So oh all those God. other people who were defecting yes. got the fuck out. And they started yeah. running to the jungle and were hiding in the jungle, <sighs> waiting for these fucking guys to go back to Jonestown. After the shooting, the Cessna's pilot, along with the pilot and co-pilot of the Twin Otter, fled in the Cessna to Georgetown. So they had, and in that plane was Larry Layton, who they had put tied up. The oh, guy who was doing the thank shooting. God. Yeah. The, the damaged twinned otter and the injured Ryan delegation members were left behind on the airstrip. Oh, my God. Um... Before leaving Don Jonestown for the airstrip, right, before this had yeah. happened, Ryan had told the temple attorney, Charles R. Gary, that he would issue a report that would describe Jonestown, quote, in basically good terms, right? Just let him go. He's like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, he stated that none of the 60 relatives he had targeted for interviews wanted to leave. The 14 defectors constituted a very small portion of Jonestown residents. Yeah. And any sense of imprisonment the defectors had had was likely because of peer pressure and a lack of physical transportation. And even if 200 of the 900 plus wanted to leave, quote, he said, I'd still say you have a beautiful place here, end quote. Oh so he was gosh. trying to say. Like, <laughs> just let people go. If they want to stay, stay. Bye. Let them go. I'm yeah. not going to come back here. Yes. It's cool. Like, peace out, right? Which, whether we, but, that but, was the truth or yeah, not, right, we don't, we'll right. never know. But they're paranoid and they're going to go, you know, he's not right. going to say that he's so, lying. Right. So despite Gary going back to Jones, Jones is like, no, I have failed. I failed. Yeah. Right. Ugh. And Gary reiterated that Ryan would be making a positive report. But Jones maintained that, quote, all is lost, end quote. After Ryan's departure from Jonestown toward Port Katuma, Marceline Jones made a broadcast on the public address system stating that everything was all right and asking residents to return to their homes. During this time, AIDS prepared a large metal tub with grape-flavored Kool-Aid, poisoned with Valium, chloral hydrate, cyanide, and oh fenugreek. Oh, my God. About 30 minutes after Marceline Jones' announcement, Jim Jones made his own, calling all members immediately to the pavilion. <sighs> so this so is what's terrible. going on after, yeah. A 44-minute cassette tape known as, quote, the death tape. Oh, my God. Records part of the meeting Jones called inside the pavilion in the early evening of November 18th, 1978. When the assembly gathered, referring, when the assembly gathered, referring to the Ryan delegation's air travel back to Georgetown, Jones told the gathering, quote, one of those people on that plane is going to shoot the pilot. I know that. 
I didn't plan it, but I know it's going to happen. They're going to shoot that pilot down and down comes the plane into the jungle. And we had better not have any of our children left when it's over because they'll parachute in here on us. Oh God. He's so fucking paranoid. Right. But you know what? They all drink it. Yeah, I know. Parroting Jones's prior statements that hostile forces would convert captured children to fascism. One temple member stated, quote, the ones that they... The ones that they take captured, they're going to just let them grow up and be dummies, end quote. Ugh. On the tape, Jones urged Temple members to commit, quote, revolutionary suicide. That's so quote. crazy. Such an act had been planned by the Temple before, and according to Jonestown defectors, its theory was, quote, you can go down in history saying you chose your own way out to go, and it, and it is your commitment to refuse capitalism and in the support of socialism. Oh, quote. my God. Temple member Christine Miller argued that the temple should alternatively attempt an airlift to the Soviet Union. Like, yes. let's just get out of here. Like, yeah. what do we do? Jim McElvain, well, I'm sorry, a former therapist who had arrived in Jonestown only two days earlier, assisted Jones by arguing against Miller's resistance to suicide, stating, quote, let's make it a beautiful day and later citing possible reincarnation. Oh, my God. After several exchanges in which Jones argued that a Soviet exodus would not be possible, along with reactions by other Temple members hostile to Miller, she backed down. (laughs) By the way, bitch, run, right? Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. However, Miller may have ceased dissenting when Jones confirmed at one point that, quote, the congressman had been murdered after the airship shooters Mm -hmm. had returned. After Jones confirmed... That the congressman was dead. No dissent is heard on the death tape. Now it's like, well, they are coming because you've now orchestrated this fucking bullshit. Yeah, well, now we're screwed. Yeah, now you put a target on our backs, motherfucker. By this point, armed guards had taken up positions surrounding the pavilion area. So you're not get you're getting out yeah. one way or the other. Yeah. Directly after this, Jones stated that quote the Red Brigades the only way one that made any sense anyway, and the Red Brigade showed them justice. In addition to McIlvain, several other Temple members gave speeches praising Jones and his decision for the oh community to commit suicide, even after Jones appreci- stopped appreciating this praise and begged for the process to go faster. So what, they just walked up. Is that how they guaranteed that someone drank? That, like you had to walk up one by one? Yes. So like you, you couldn't like pretend and spit it no. back out or no. like you had to swallow it. Yeah. According to escaped Temple member Odell Rhodes. Oh, somebody got out. This guy. Look. The first to take the poison was Ruletta Paul and her one-year-old infant. Oh, that baby. A syringe without a needle fitted with, fitted, without a needle fitted, was used to squirt was used to squirt poison into the infant's mouth after which paul squirted another syringe into her own mouth well me god she did it to her baby what is she gonna do stanley clayton also witnessed mothers with their baby's first uh, with their baby's first approach the tub containing the poison Clayton said that Jones approached people to encourage them to drink the poison and that after adults saw the poison begin to take effect, they showed a reluctance to die. So then they freaked out because it's a painful death. Yes. It takes a long time and they're sitting there writhing in pain on the ground. Oh my God. And then other people are like, no, now it's like the poison caused death within five minutes for children, less for babies and an estimated 20 to 30 minutes for adults. Jesus. After consuming the poison, according to Rhodes, people were then escorted away down a wooden walkway leading outside the pavilion. So this is how we see those pictures, yeah. you know, where they're up above Jonestown. Yeah. And it's just piles and piles oh and rows God. of people. In response to reactions of seeing the poison take effect on others, Jones conce- conceal, uh, counseled, 
quote, die with a degree of dignity, lay down your life with dignity. Don't lay down with tears and agony. He also said, I tell you, I don't care how many screams you hear. I don't care how many anguished cries. Death is a million times preferable to 10 more days of this life. If you know what's, what was it? If you knew what was ahead of you, if you knew what was ahead of you, you'd be glad to be stepping over tonight. End quote. Oh my God. He he would be the one in trouble. These other people wouldn't be going to jail. Just go home. Go home. Just go home. Rhodes described a sense of both hysteria and confusion as parents watch their children die oh from my the poison. God. No, 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 no. Watching no, their children no, die and they're no, like, what am no. I doing? That's got to snap you yeah. out of whatever's happening yes. in your fucking head, right? Yes. <sighs> he also stated that most present, quote, quietly, most present, quote, quietly waited their own turn to die and that many of the assembled temple members, quote, walked around like they were in a trance. They probably were like, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, like the reality of it. Yes. Has to make them crazy. Yeah. This crowd was surrounded by armed guards offering members the basic dilemma of death by poison or death by a guard's oh. hand. Oh. Cries and screams of children and adults oh, were easily heard on the no. tape recording made. As more temple members died, eventually the guards themselves were called in to die by poison. Jones was found laying next to the, his chair in the pavilion between two other bodies. His head cushioned by a pillow oh nice good for him his death was caused by a gunshot wound to his right temple that guyanese chief medical examiner uh leslie mutu stated was consistent with self being self-inflicted yeah so he didn't want to writhe in pain no just take out yeah a total of 918 people died in jonestown that day 304 were minors jesus the events at jonestown constituated constituated sorry (laughs) the greatest single loss of american civilian life in a deliberate act until the incidents of september 11th my god crazy so a little bit of the aftermath larry layton who was who had fired a gun at several people aboard the cessna was initially found not guilty of attempted murder in a guyanese court employing the defense that he was quote brainwashed no Sorry. Acquittal in a Guyanese court did not free Leighton, who was promptly deported back to the U.S. and arrested by the U.S. Marshal Service upon Thank arrival you. in San Francisco. Leighton could not be tried in the U.S. for the attempted murders of Gosney, Bagby, Dale Parks, and the Cessna pilot on Guyanese soil, and was instead tried under a federal statute assess- against assassinating members of Congress oh and gosh. internationally protected people, which was Ryan and Dwyer. He was convicted. Dwyer was one of the U.S. Uh, yeah. The, the ambassadors i think he was convicted of conspiracy and of aiding and abetting the murder of ryan and of the attempted murder of dwyer paroled in 2002 he is the only person ever to be uh, held criminally responsible for the events at jonestown wow yeah just him yeah and what a bad shot he's wow. on a cessna i can't even fucking he can't get anybody asshole ryan's body was returned to the united states and interred at golden oh. gate national cemetery in san bruno california his official congressional member memorial services were compi- comply i'm sorry compiled into a book called leo j ryan memorial services held in the house of representatives and senate of the u.s together with remarks so there's things that people wrote about him in there here's a wild so wild side sad. side note you're gonna fucking die shannon joe ryan ryan's eldest daughter joined the Raj- rajneesh movement <gasps> no after the bhagwan moved to oregon in 1981 she no. joined his commune which began which became known as Raj- rajneesh purim purim yeah. right taking the, the rajneesh. name taking the name ma m rita pritam by no. december 1982 she had married another member who also lived in the commune and you can learn more about this scam cult 
in the Netflix documentary yes. Wild Wild Country. Well, it's such a good documentary. And she, so his eldest daughter got pulled into a I fucking know. cult. And and even in this poor, had, his poor wife. Yeah. And so one of these, she was interviewed, or she said somebody had asked her something once about this, and she said, like, what would your father? Yeah. And she was my father would be very happy for me. No, he wouldn't. Another cult, like his daughter gets called and pulled oh into my this. God. But again, nineteen eighties, like this is like. It's great. It's three years later, three years after his, his her father. Maybe maybe she's you know messed up from what maybe. happened to him and like yeah. The, uh, oh my God. Let's end on a good note. So here's something amazing. Oh, so please. Jackie Spire, this is his congressional age. She was elected. Yes. She comes back. She was elected to the county supervisor, uh, to county supervisor in San Mateo County in nineteen from 1980 to 86. She was then elected to the California State Assembly in the 19th District from 1986 to 1996, and then was elected to the California State Senate from 1998 to 2006. Wow. And finally, from 2008 to today, present, she is the U.S. representative for the 14th District of California. Oh. The same seat once <laughs> held by Congressman Leo Ryan. That makes me want to cry. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that that's amazing? Crazy. Yeah. So that's the assassination. Oh of my Leo god! Ryan. What an amazing story. It was it's so good. Wild. Yeah. It's so. It's such a shame. It's a shame. What like, happens like he to people? To do something. Like even when I just said like the girl was like, well maybe we can wait for the Russians, and I was like, run, bitch. But like yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have the capacity of her mind. No. Isn't even it wasn't even like we need to get out. It was like let's just move to another place. Like I don't want to leave this. I just yeah. want to move to it. Yeah, I just don't want to take the Kool-Aid. Let's just go somewhere. Like what? It's wild. It, it, I mean, it's three hundred. So so it's six hundred something adults. Yeah. Who who just got wrapped in so one of the guys who was on that delegation who was trying to get his family his mother his three sisters his brother were all there no and he was trying to get them out and they all died oh my god they all died that is insane it's it's horrible his whole family his whole family's gone what what insanity i mean but even to think like oh you don't even know what's coming you just get but you but now when we talk about this story we don't think that these people are heroes yeah they're not heroes no, we, we think of them as like this is so sad that yes. they fell for this fucking monster yeah it's so sad it's terrible babies their whole lives it's, it's yeah. over well i mean the children didn't have a choice but but the 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 600 plus adults that there was a choice that they made to mm. follow this guy to leave their country it's very odd i know Oh, girl, what a good story. So tomorrow, this comes out this Wednesday, and the next day is Thanksgiving. Yes. So happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I hope you have a... I I was just thinking this is the saddest fucking story, but like, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Everybody. (laughs) And have actually, don't travel. I hope you're not traveling. Um, Or if you are traveling, you're just going to, you know, like that you're being very, very safe. Yeah. Do not have 20 people in your house. Yeah. Now, uh, let me ask you something, because you told me this a, uh, a few years ago, or maybe, I don't think we talked about it ever on the podcast, a guinea Thanksgiving. Oh, guinea Thanksgiving right. normally. What's a guinea Thanksgiving? Can you please tell everybody what that is? Oh, my God. So normally a guinea Thanksgiving is <laughs> you start, um, you can start sometimes with the anapost, uh-huh. which, you know, we used to do it with the anapost where you have, you know, like the meat and the cheese and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... There's always pasta. Yeah. So the first meal, the first thing that goes on the table is, you know, a big thing of pasta, whether it's, um, you know, a tortellini or some mm-hmm. kind of stuffed, you know, hearty pasta. Uh-huh. 
with uh, the prajol, you know, got the oh meatballs, my. the savojich, the, you know, the bread and all that stuff. Jeez. Um, that, that, you know, that, you might you have some peppers. You think that's it, though? Like, that's the meal? No. No, that's the start of No, the that's the start of You have that right. whole thing. Um, sometimes there would be a soup and then the past. Mm-hmm. And then after that, then you get, you know, the bird. The and bird, all yes. the things with the, you know, the stuffing and all the sides. Oh, my God. And then after that, you get the uh, fruit. You know, all the fruit comes out. And then after that, you get all the, like the desserts. The desserts. Do afterwards. you do pies or do we do cannolis? Like, what are we talking about? No, my aunt always brings, she'll do a pumpkin. I'm not a fan of pumpkin pie. She brings mm-hmm. a pumpkin pie, but she also always has this amazing chocolate, like, pie mm. that I love. And then my mom will bake something. I usually bake some. There's always like a ton. And then there's like, you know, like the nuts uh-huh. and like stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, nuts, candy, yeah, uh, cookies. The best it's like part, a whole, it's a whole table the, full. I mean, my favorite part about when you describe a Guinea Thanksgiving is first Guinea. Cause I, you know, yeah. I always thought that was a derogatory term. I know. I feel like I can you say, can, you I can say, say it. Yeah, you yeah. can say it, but I can't say it. Like right. if you, if you, I'm someone always saying it in front of you because yeah. I'm asking. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't think like, Tina, Guinea, yeah. but, um, the, the, my favorite part is past. You don't even say the pasta. It's just like past. Oh right? yeah. Like we the, don't even the, say the A. It's like, fuck it. <laughs> All right. And then also, cause it's a long, it's a big meal. We got to just say past. Yeah. And then also bird. How you say bird. Oh, the bird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we always say turkey, but you're like the bird. <laughs> like, I know what you're talking about, but it's like, it's so funny that it's like, we're, we got to cut this down now to certain words. It's are just, so much food. It's Cena. I'm, I'm full just hearing about it's it. It's so much food. And <laughs> this year though, it's, it's kind of sad because this year, it's when we're not really doing the Thanksgiving with everybody it's, because it's too COVID. many people. Yeah, yeah. So my husband and I are doing like our own, but we're not doing the. My husband used to say, you know, why don't we just stuff the bird with the pasta and get it over <laughs> with? Because <laughs> it's <laughs> so much food. That is. So oh my god! Funny, so that's so but we're funny. like cha- we're doing we're because cha- we can't do a whole bird. No, 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 no. So I think we're doing. Um, we're gonna do like a, a turkey breast that we're gonna yes, grill. Ooh, okay. I'm going to do like a cranberry kind of glaze and we're going to do like a grilled turkey breast and then, mm-hmm. you know, make some sides. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. yeah. It's small though. Well, I'm going to cut that and make it an entire clip about Guinea Thanksgiving. Guinea Thanksgiving. I love it so much. And then you can tag all your Sopranos <laughs> loves so they can oh. listen to it. <laughs> well, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you. You and too. And I will see you next week. Yes. Bye. 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 If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.